Jerry's going to be speaking for us. Jerry's been a missionary in Nepal now at least two years <laughs> or more. We're, we're thrilled to have him. He was here with us a couple of years ago. He's got a great message for us. I know he shared some good things in the adult class about the specifics of the work going on in Nepal, but Jerry, it's thrilled to have you. Thanks for being, being in our neighborhood and coming our way. Thank you. It is truly a pleasure to be with you this morning and every time that I have been able to come back and be with you. Um, I was asked to share something with you that I mentioned in the, um, the, the class this morning. Um, in Nepal, we have had for the last 10 years a Bible school. There are five congregations in East Texas that are paying the monthly operational costs for that Bible school. And that would include certainly paying for the students' food and the rent on the buildings and uh, director's salary, cook's salary, all of that type of thing. In addition, you have been helping in Nepal for longer than 10 years. And there are three congregations, Mission Viejo, Lakewood, California, and also <coughs> Sparks or Reno, Nevada, that have been helping for probably 15 years or more. And um, your money is being used for when we take the... Uh, staff or students out on campaigns to the villages, when we'll have lectureships in Nepal where we bring preachers and we even have a ladies uh, class, national ladies class every year, bring them in, providing their transportation, their room and board support for these outreach type of programs. So uh, also, you're buying Bibles, songbooks. When we have lessons, they're being translated into Nepali language and being printed and, and given out. This is the work that you've basically been supporting for these years. I do not receive any support from any particular from any congregation. I've been blessed enough that I'm able to take care of all my own expenses. And uh, so you're not providing any support for me directly. As I was talking about that, our students, they have a two-year curriculum, very thorough curriculum in Bible study, but they are not promised and they are not given any monthly support to go back out as preachers. We have a program that we call Goat Money, and this is what I was to share with you. We will buy, at the graduation time, we will supply two male and four female goats for each of the students. Now they come from village areas, uh, rural areas primarily, and they can go back and with these goats, they can raise more goats. They can use that as income to help their children go to school, to help uh, have a better living for themselves, buying clothing, food. They can use the goats periodically, as, certainly as the herd grows for food. Uh, they also will share goats with other Christians. They also will share goats with non-Christians. One of the people from the first class, he built his goat herd up to 50 goats. And he gave them, he cut way back down and he gave them to Christians, non-Christians within his village. That is such a testimony Nepali to Nepali in a way that would never happen in the Nepali normal way of life of sharing. 
It's this, it's better to give than to receive. It's how they go back and use this. It gives them time to have more, more free time where they're not having to do manual labor so that they can spend more time with church work. So that uh, I was asked to share that with you. Now, I share that not as a suggestion. I would not try to influence how you treat your preacher in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> that is something that is done, and it, we do it at the school in Nepal. What we have just read in Romans is something that has been universal. Before Paul wrote it, and it's universal today. When we see creation, we should see the hand of God. And it says that we are without excuse. Creation itself tells us about the eternal power, the divine nature of God. And it tells us that God has a plan and that we need to know that plan. And yet in those verses it talks about the futile thinking that happens to the non-Christian. They know God, but they do not honor him as God. And again, we have no excuses. Basically, it talks about foolishness. Foolishness has to do with knowing God, but not honoring God. It has to do with attitudes and priorities that are based upon physical things rather than upon spiritual things. It goes on in verse 23 to talk about idols. But I want us to think a little bit this morning about what are the modern idols in Mission Viejo in 2019? Idols don't have to be something that you can hold in your hand. What are the priorities and the attitudes today in America? What are they in Nepal? Those are the idols that can be coming in and interfering with our relationship with God. Are the, our priorities, are our attitudes wise? Are they foolish? Certainly popularity, conformity has always been a factor in the human race. It just takes different forms in different countries and different cultures. I think today is something that I did not have in the same respect that we have it today. It's called the social media. Sometimes I call it the GG media, the gossip and garbage media. Because a lot of it that appears is more under that type of a, of a heading. But it is something that we have to look at today and each person has to make a, a place about where do I let that influence my life. Joseph just gave some words about how he changed his attitudes, his priorities, the things that influence his life. Each of us need to do that. I was introduced as a missionary. My definition of a missionary is an active Christian. So tomorrow morning when you wake up, remember the sunshine that you see, God has sent to you. God has created that day. When we look at nature, every morning when we wake up, we should see the handiwork of God, the eternal power, the divine nature of God, and say, God has a plan for me. And that should be that if I'm in El Toro, if I'm in Laguna Niguel, wherever I am, I'm going to be an active Christian. That's what I, my definition, that's what I take to Nepal when I leave here and go back. Within that context, I want to read from Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 27. 
This is talking to Christians. And um, just one second here. Yes, starting in verse 24. Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come to the glory of, in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each one according to his works. This is a very brief summary, among many that we find in the Bible, of what is our duty as an active Christian. Deny ourselves. We are to be a servant rather than wanting to be served. To take up our cross, to make sacrifices. We can never make the sacrifices that Jesus made for us. But a Christian life is a life of sacrifice and a self-denial, a life of service, and to follow Christ. Follow him in his pattern, follow him in his purpose, and certainly we need to know the word of God to follow him according to his words. Why? The last verse tells us why. Well, the verse says that if we gain the whole world, but we lose our own souls, and then it talks about judgment. The one thing that we all have in common is that we're going to die, and after that is judgment. And judgment is going to lead to eternity. That's going to be greater than anything we can imagine or worse than anything we can imagine. And yet, we have been given the directions, we have been given the commandments, we have been given the responsibility to assume our part. God has done his part. As we read there in, uh, later in Romans chapter one, in verses 18 through 28, three times God says he gave them over to their lusts. He gave them over to their own desires. God gave them up. It is possible for a Christian to lose his soul and to spend eternity in hell. That is something that all of us must look at, realize, and face. The chapter ends by saying that the sins that are committed there say that they are worthy of death. This is what is at stake. You had a song that I wasn't familiar with that was up there without the, the musical notes. And I am here because of what that song says is that your love, the grace of God because of your love, is flowing to the nations. And you gather together to hear as a group, as a church, as a family to worship. But that love is flowing to the nations. Because we can talk about the differences between Nepal, but what we have in common, one life, one death, judgment, and eternity. And you are an active part in making those things come about in a Christian way. We sing a song that uh, is called Almost Persuaded. And we say that in uh, Nepal, we, I, I will often say, do not, never question the sincerity of a person. 
but always question truth. There are many Hindus that are sincere. There are many people in other religions. There are atheists who are sincere. Never question a person's sincerity, but never fail to question truth. We are told that the Christians in um, Berea were no noble because they searched the scriptures every day, every day to see if what they were taught was true. Who was the teacher? The Apostle Paul. So if they search the scripture and Paul commends them on it for searching for truth, that is something that has to be at the heart of our Christian life. The song, though, says, almost cannot avail. Almost is but to fail. Sad, sad, that bitter wail. Almost but lost. That is what we read in Romans 1. Paul is saying that we are without excuse. We know that there is a God. We know that God has sent a son and has a plan for us. We need knowledge. We need our mind to be working. We need to know what the word is as recorded in the Bible. As I also mentioned in the class this morning, Hosea said, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. People will be in hell because they came to church every Sunday morning, but they didn't spend much time in prayer or in Bible study outside of Sunday morning. Every day we wake up, we can see creation, we can see God, we should see God, and it be a reminder that God has a plan for us and dedicate ourselves, diligently dedicate ourselves every day Every day, we are one day closer to meeting Jesus in judgment. That should cause profound joy, or it should cause tremendous fear and nervousness. In Revelations chapter 2 and 3, we find messages to seven churches at that period of time at the, the end of the Bible. In every one of those messages, they begin with I know you. God, Jesus, knows each of us. God knows you as a congregation. God knows you as a, an individual. Seven times to seven churches it begins, I know you. We need to wake up every morning and say, I need to know God. To the, in chapter 2 to the uh, church in Ephesus, it says the uh, warning is, you have left your first love. And in the next verse, it says two times, it uses the word repent. In the third chapter to Laodicea, it says you are lukewarm. It says, I wish you were hot or I wish you were cold. Because you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. Written to Christians, I don't want to be spit out of the mouth of God. I want to be embraced by the love of God. In verse 19 of chapter 3, it goes on to talk about love, discipline, and again, repent. Love, God loves us, God will discipline us. If we love God, we will accept that discipline. We will actually embrace it and cherish it. We will make it part of our life because it will be helping to guide us to, the, to heaven goes on to talk about Jesus' knocking. Jesus is at the door waiting to come in to each of our lives, Christian, non-Christian.
As Christians, you are helping Jesus to come to the door of people that had never heard about him before. They are opening that door and the church is alive. The church is growing in Nepal. And the church needs to be alive and growing in Mission Viejo, everywhere. The word overcome is used many times in these two chapters. But the message is always that we must overcome. Overcome the things that were read in with the sinfulness of Romans chapter 1. We must overcome these weaknesses, these distractions, these temptations. We must overcome using our time foolishly and use it in a constructive way, not only for our life here, but for spiritual life for ourselves and for others. We must overcome so that we can come over to heaven after we have judgment. I want to open up and finish with Romans chapter 1 again. We'll be reading verses 16 and 17. This was the prelude that led into the verses where we read in verse 18. In verse 16, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. It is, it, it is written, The just shall live by faith. The gospel, God's power for salvation, we must know it and apply it to our own lives. That power for salvation you are helping to, helping that to flow to the nation, certainly to Nepal and other places. Your work is uh, bearing fruit. And every Christian in Nepal wants, to send, wants me to tell you thank you for them. They will not be able to thank you until they meet you in heaven. But they are thankful for today and they have said, when I am back, you tell our brothers and sisters, thank you for us. And their gratitude is very deep. So thank you for all of these years. I look forward to going back. Nepal is home. I look forward to being here again, God willing. But Nepal is home. God is where I need to be. God is where, and I need Nepal. I need that work for my own spirituality. And you have been supportive in that in many, many ways. We certainly also appreciate your prayers very much. In that same light, I know that the Christian family here opens its arms to each of you and want to open their arms at every occasion. This is also an occasion. So in whatever way you have a need, you, need to, you should make that need known to the congregations, the elders, the leaders want to know that, the members want to know that. Quite often we will do that with the singing of an invitation song, it's just a matter of convenience, but in some way, let the congregation know what your needs are so that they can help meet those needs because that's what family is about. They want to be your family in a deeper and deeper way at all times. Thank you for your time this morning and I look forward to the next time. Bring down the